Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. And we roll. Welcome to McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. I am your host, Matt McChesney, coming to you from 6-0 Studios at 6-0 Strength and Fitness. Make sure you check out the bridge at 6-0Strength.com. We've got an interesting show for you, to say the least, here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Um, we are going to talk a ton of college football and talk about your Colorado Buffaloes being 5-0, and and we're going to talk about... Uh, the NFL as a whole, and the up and down Sunday that was, and we're going to get into the absolute shit show that was the Denver Broncos on Sunday, and try and give you an adult version instead of all these politically correct, super soft, you know, horse shit radio stations that are out here just not giving their real opinion. I mean, it's amazing to me how, you know, people get sucked into listening to these shows and half the time the guys that are on the radio can't even say what they really want to say. So that's not going to happen here. You know, on McChesney Unchained, you're going to get my entire opinion. I'm not going to save anything. I'm not going to hold anything back. And I'm going to give you everything that you deserve as a fan. Because honestly, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in the football world that think the fans don't know very much, and I'm not one of them. I think the fans know an, a whole lot more than people give them credit for. And that, you know, it's it's a good thing. I like educated fans. So we're going to try and educate you a little bit here today. Um, right off the bat, <clears throat> uh, we're going to bring you our college football wrap-up from the weekend. Um, it was an upset Saturday, to say the least. Uh, there were teams dropping like flies all over college football. Northwestern went to Michigan State and got a huge win, only 32 yards rushing. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Uh, Northwestern is one of those teams where if you sleep on them, they're going to beat your ass, and that's what Sparty did, and that's what Northwestern did. So Northwestern has Nebraska this weekend. Uh, go Northwestern. Um, Utah hammered Stanford 40-14. Utah is a little Jacqueline Hyde. I don't know who they are yet, although this is an indication of who they could be. Uh, Stanford's the same way. They went from being a top-10 ranked team two weeks ago to being out of the top 25 now. They got to get their shit together there in Cardinal Country because they were very highly rated. Bryce Love, that offensive line, the defense, they have great players. They've just ran into a couple buzzsaws. And honestly, it should be three losses in a row. They got real lucky in Eugene uh, with Oregon handing them that ball game. So it'd be inter- I'll be interested to see what happens uh, with Oregon-Washington this week. That's going to be a hell of a football game. Um, so, you know, moving past those couple of upsets, um, the top four all won, obviously. Uh, they, they won a convincing fashion. Alabama hammered uh, Arkansas. Vanderbilt got hammered by Georgia. Ohio State hammered Indiana. Clemson beat Wake Forest by 60. And then LSU and Florida played five against 22. And Florida got a big W in the swamp. Um, LSU, I'm not saying they're fool's gold. I just think they play in the SEC. And the SEC has eight teams ranked in the top 25. They're an unbelievably deep conference. They got pros everywhere. And I just think that, you know, you're going to lose a game in the SEC every now and then. It just happens. You know, Auburn got beat again by Mississippi State on the road. Mississippi State has lost two in a row. And, you know, people are clamoring that the, the head coach there isn't the right guy after Dan Moon left, blah, 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 blah. And they went out and just hammered Auburn on the road or hammered Auburn at home with the cowbells ringing. So it, you better bring your best game every week in the SEC. LSU, we're going to find out who they are, 
you know, moving forward, they've got Georgia. They still have Alabama. They still have Texas A&M. So we'll see who they are. Texas A&M beats Kentucky uh, at Kyle Field. Kyle Field's the craziest, ruckus atmosphere I've ever been in in my life. I played there as a freshman and as a senior, uh, and it was crazy both times. Uh, A&M and Kentucky was a hell of a game. I watched every minute of it. I thought it was really competitive. There's a bunch of pros all over the field. Uh, Kentucky's defensive end, number 44, I think his name is Allen, is an absolute monster. Maybe the first defensive player off the board next year in the draft. Uh, Buster Buster Screen was was out there killing it as Kentucky's running back, although they didn't really maximize him in the first half, which I don't understand, only six carries. A&M and Jimbo Fisher, that place is going to be rolling here pretty quick. They're back in the top 25 now. You know, they've lost to Alabama and Clemson this year. And then after that, they played everybody else pretty tight and, and, and pretty well. So I think A&M and Jimbo Fisher are on the up, uh, no doubt. Uh, the Miami-Florida State game was a barn burner. Miami got the W28-27. Florida State handed them that rivalry game. It's got to be sickening for the seniors. I thought Florida State would win that game, and I was pretty happy about it until Miami started rolling and Florida State started coughing it up. Uh, I'm still going to sit here and pound the table for DeAndre Francois, though. Um, I wouldn't mind if Bronco Country took a real hard look at this kid because he is tough as nails. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got relatively good pocket presence. And if his knee can hold up and he can get some pass protection, I think he could be a really, really good football player. But at Florida State, he just doesn't have a chance. His offensive line is terrible, not only from a personnel standpoint, but from a scheme and technique standpoint, they're god-awful. I don't know how you fix that just out of the blue. This year, Willie Taggart hopefully can get DeAndre to come back next year as a senior so they can keep building that, but who knows? I mean, I, I think Francois, if he if he has a, a draftable grade this year in the top three rounds, he needs to get the fuck out of Tallahassee. Things are bad. Um, so, yeah, Miami got that W in a rivalry game. Yipty skippy for them. That's great. Uh, I thought Florida State would get that W, and they did not. Um, all right, so – Congratulations to CSU getting their first W going on the road and, and outlasting San Jose State. They got to get that figured out up there in Fort Collins. I don't think Bobo should lose his job. They just signed him to an extension. They don't have the money to do that. So just figure out a way to develop guys and 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 move forward and win some ball games and hopefully he can keep his job up there. Um, that said, congratulations to them. But let's talk about your Colorado Buffaloes. All right, so CU uh, beats Arizona State at home, twenty eight twenty one. They do it. With dominant offensive and defensive line play, although it was a close game, and you would expect nothing else, the Arizona State and Herm Edwards are going to come in and fight you. That's been a tough game for the Buffs every time they play it. Last year they were up on the road in Tempe, and Arizona State came back and won. Um, you know, I, Arizona State CU is turning into a nice little rivalry. It's a personal rivalry for, with me, obviously, with you know, Sam Jones being a Sun Devil and Rick Lewis and his kids being Sun Devils and, you know, the, the way he feels about Arizona State. And, you know, Spencer Lovell's down at Arizona State. And I got a bunch of guys offered in here from Arizona State. So it's a nice little rivalry. There's some bad blood there. And this will only intensify that. Next year in the desert, I'm sure it'll be a real tight, you know, hardcore smash-mouth football game like this one was. Um I'm very impressed with the poise of the Buffs. Uh, you know, this was a game that I was really worried about. The defensive line stepped up big time. Uh, Mustafa Johnson, 34, dude, my guy. You're only a junior. Keep it up. You're going to have a real chance to do something down the road, 3-4, if you keep this up. So Mustafa Johnson played his ass off. Steven Montez, still leading the country in completion percentage at 75%, played his ass off. Uh, the offensive line. Hats off. You guys did a great job. Timmy Lenat, great job. Hagler, great job. Uh, you know, 5'5", five, five, Brett uh, Thorne, T-O-R-N-Z. I can't pronounce his name, but whatever. Uh, absolutely kick-ass job. We're going to have Clayton Adams, the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator, the co-offensive coordinator for your Colorado Buffaloes on the show later in the week uh, to, to talk about college football and the huge game at USC, so on and so forth. So, um We'll also have Brady Quinn on, who's actually calling that game on Fox uh, this weekend as well. So got a lot of interviews coming up for college football later in the week. Um, when it all comes down to it, though, with the Buffs, in my opinion, um, on defense, it starts with 6-7, and seven, all right? Chen or uh, Worthington, Evan Fisher, or Worthington and Nick Fisher, excuse me, geez, 
And then you go up and you've got Lewis Landman and Gamboa. And I'm telling you, those five guys, and then you mix in some good play from the defensive line, that defense is flying around. D.J. Elliott's got them right. And I, I really love the way they played. The targeting foul on Nate Lamon was the biggest horseshit call I've ever seen in my life. Keep playing hard, 5-3. Don't let them take that away from you. Um, The refs, again, over-refereeing. They saw something violent, and they immediately thought it was a foul when it wasn't. I thought it was a horseshit call, and if CU would have lost because of that, I would have lost it. So... Uh, the refs has got to do a better better job, but I'm telling you, those five players, the the two safeties, Fisher and, and Worthington, and the three linebackers, Lewis, Landman, and, and Gamboa, are absolutely balling right now, and they're going to need to have a huge game in the Coliseum on Saturday night to get that uh, victory against the hated USC Trojans, who the Buffs have never beat. I lost to them twice in college. We haven't beat them since we've been in the Pac-12. We were close last year. We were close in the Coliseum two years ago. And you know what? Now it's time to go get that W. Uh, again, we'll talk with Clayton Adams, the O-line coach and co-offense coordinator for the University of Colorado Buffaloes. And we will also talk to uh, Brady Quinn, who's going to be calling the game uh, for Fox Sports this weekend, CU-USC, who is the next teammate of mine with the Denver Broncos, the great Notre Dame quarterback. Um, LaVisca Chanel and that offensive line and Steven Montez, man, McMillan, man, I'm impressed. I love the scheme. I love how many guys were pulling. I love how effective and efficient they were at the point of attack, double teaming the defensive lineman to the second level. They controlled the game in the second half with the running game. And I'm telling you, if LaVisca Chanel is not on everybody's Heisman list, you're either biased or just flat wrong. Four touchdowns, all the points. I understand that everything runs through number two, and it should right now. He's by far the best offensive player in the Pac-12, maybe the country. Um, he should be on Heisman ballots, and I'm telling you, the, the Buffs are ranked 18th and 19th in the, in the Associated Press and in the coaches' poll, and they are undefeated. And as of right now, I am officially pissed the fuck off. I am pissed off. I feel like the Buffs are being totally disrespected, not only throughout the country, but even, you know, little things like, oh, the Pac-12's down this year. That's why they're good. Whatever. Weak-ass shit. CU has such an opportunity this weekend to go into the Coliseum and just slam the door in the face of everybody that thinks they're overrated. And then, if you think this week's big, go to Seattle undefeated. Go to Seattle undefeated. Game day will be their bet, unless there's a bigger SEC game. Go to Seattle undefeated with a preview of the Pac-12 title game, and we'll see if CU's got any, got any real aspirations to be a playoff team at that point. So the disrespect is real. You're undefeated in, a, in the Pac-12 South. If USC was undefeated in the Pac-12 South, they'd be ranked 6th. We're ranked 18th and 19th. That's such horseshit. I understand that the schedule isn't great, but the names on it are. I can't help the fact, and, and the bus can't help the fact that they're shitty this year. CSU is down. Nebraska's down. New Hampshire is a wash. UCLA's down. Arizona State is not down. They're a really good team with pros all over it. They're now 3-3. Three and three. Their three losses are to San Diego State, who's going to win the Mountain West, Washington, who is going to win the North, and CU, who's going to win the South. So they're far from a bad team. The disrespect has to stop. This is a former Buffalo telling all Buffaloes and all the staff up there in Boulder, go into the Coliseum and beat that ass because the, na- the nation doesn't think you can. There's constant disrespect out here, and people think that this is just a flash in the pan and that when we get into the meat of the Pac-12, we're going to crumble. It's not going to happen in Boulder. I'm telling you, later in the week, we're going to have uh, some great interviews and talk more Buffs and, and, and USC. But as of right now, the Buffs are 5-0. and It's a great feeling. I love it. I was never 5-0 and at CU. The best I was was 3-0 and as a senior. Um, keep rolling, boys. Very, very impressed with your work ethic and your, your, your tenacity at the point of attack and the ass-kicking ability that you've shown up to this point and the finish. And I think that it's time to finally, everybody in the state, and if you're a Buffalo fan out there, you got to give Coach Mack his due. I mean, he's done an unbelievable job resurrecting this program. When he got here, after Embry was here and the, the monstrosity that that was, and just, it wasn't even John's fault. It was just the nature of the program at that point. You know, he, he got here and there, it was bad for a long time. A lot of people wanted him gone, and he kept his nose to the stone and believed in his process and his program, and it worked. They recruited well. They got dudes in now. They're recruiting nationally now. 
they are competing for the best kids in the state year in and year out. If you don't think they're recruiting in state, you're just flat fucking wrong. It's not true. They are recruiting the shit out of the state of Colorado. They don't take everybody, but they can't. Um, and, and they're going into Texas and getting really good players like Chanel and Katie Nixon, both from DeSoto High School. They're going in and finding Montez. They're going in and finding offensive linemen in California and in Denver, out of the, out of the gym here in 6-0, bringing in Austin Johnson and Jake Wiley next year, two Dungeon Family guys. You know, uh, going out and, and bringing in the kind of guys they had up there this last weekend from a recruiting standpoint, it's going to change the way that CU's viewed. And I'm telling you, I said this when they got into the Pac-12, and I'll beat this fucking drum until the day I die. If CU gets good and we're consistently ranked, it is over. The Pac-12 South, the biggest, the biggest fear they have is that CU figures it out. Because we're not some soft-ass Pac-12 South school from, that's got like you know, 90-degree weather all the time and a beach and some pools and shit. We're a Midwestern blue-collar, pound-you-in-the-fucking-face football team that will take no shit and take your lunch money. Utah's a Mountain West team when it comes down to it. And you're our rival, and I'm going to say that wholeheartedly. A Mountain West team. Deal with it. Great win this weekend, but we'll see you in Salt Lake. CU gets good, and they stay good, and they can con- consistently recruit. And Chivalrini sticks around, which I think you will, and Coach Max sticks around, which I think you will. Watch out now. The Buffs are on a roll, man. I just don't see them taking a step back again. They now have the recruits in the door and the depth. It's not going to be like a, you know, an 11-win season, 10-win season like 2016 and then a drop-off again. They're reloading now, not rebuilding. So great win, Buffs, 5-0, and ranked going into the Coliseum to play the, play the hated USC Trojans. That's a get-right game for them, and it's a, it's a huge game for the Buffs. So let's go get that done. Remember, uh, the offensive coordinator and O-line coach for your Colorado Buffaloes, Clayton Adams, is going to join us later in the week here on McChesney Unchained. And uh, Mr. Brady Quinn, uh, who's going to be calling the SCCU contest this weekend on Fox Sports. He will also be joining us here on McChesney Unchained later in the week, an ex-teammate of mine, the great Notre Dame quarterback. All right, so that's a wrap for the college football portion of McChesney Unchained here on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Remember, you can always follow the show at BSN Unchained on Twitter. And then you can follow me at 60Strength on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, 60Strength.com. Um, and it'll, you know, it'll show you the bridge and what we do here and how we do things. Um, remember that McChesney Unchained is, is coming to you from 60 Studios, the studio down here at 60 Strength and Fitness. Uh, or the bridge, as we call it. All right, so uh, the NFL wrap is going to be brought to you by our good friends at NeuroXPF.com. Uh, get on the website and use the promo code 6015, that's 6015, for a 15% discount on all com products. Uh, we've got them here on the shelf at 60 Strength and Fitness. We're the only place in the state of Colorado that, that sells this amazing CBD-based recovery product. Um, it helps you from a mental standpoint, from mental clarity and, you know, protecting the neurons in your head and protecting and, and helping you recover from concussion syndrome. Uh, it also helps break down the lactic acid and all the inflammation in your body. That's one of the benefits of CBD plus the pain management part, you know, with the opioid ep- epidemic and everything else that's going on in the country with, with athletes and just regular folks. Uh, CBD, in my opinion, is the future of medicine, especially in sports. And like Kyle Turley says, the great Kyle Turley, who's the owner of this amazing company, uh, this this product will save football. So NeuroXPF.com is the website. We sell it here at Six Zero Strength, and I truly believe that it will save football down the road. We will have Kyle Turley on the show uh, later on down the road as well to talk about the amazing product of NeuroXPF.com. Remember to go on. The promo code is 6015. You get a 15% discount. Okay, so let's wrap up uh, week number five. Um, number one. Uh, Jacksonville, Kansas City. I'm not going to talk about all the games yesterday either, just the good ones. Jacksonville, Kansas City. Now, on paper, this looked like a great game. I said last week it would be a preview of the AFC title game. I don't know about that anymore, although Jacksonville just had a bad day, and that happens. I mean, i.e. Denver. Um, Kansas City's real, man. Mahomes had another great outing. Uh, He's hurting people with his feet now as much as he is with his arm. Kansas City's defense really stepped up. They've been playing better, you know, since the beginning of the year when they were just getting gashed and and getting killed. Uh, Bob Sutton was a defense coordinator of mine back in the day with the Jets. He's going to get it figured out. He's going to get his guys in the right place to make plays. They're not going to be elite ever, but they don't have to be with that offense. Eventually, though, they're going to have to make a stop. 
somebody's going to score with them at some point. The Broncos almost did that. Um, so Kansas City improves to 5-0. and The Rams are also 5-0. and We'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, Jacksonville had an opportunity to go in there and really steal one and, and set them up to have home field. Now they need some help, but I still think Jacksonville's a really good team, even with two losses to Tennessee and now Kansas City. Uh, they they just got exposed a little bit. You know, they don't play Kansas City every year. It's the first time they've seen Mahomes. Some of the concepts were a little confusing for them. Uh, Andy Reid did an unbelievably good job, and Eric Bieniemy, the OC, did an unbelievably good job of. You know, Clay's Campbell's a 300-pound five technique. That doesn't usually happen. So they got a four down front, and Campbell's playing defensive end. Well, you get 93 in space against Tariq Hill, it's over. You know, in reality, Clay's Campbell's a three technique. He's an inside defensive tackle in most schemes. They just have dudes for days down there. They've got a, you know, a defensive line set where it's Darius, Jackson, uh, Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, and then a pass rusher. So you got three huge guys, but they're not playing odd concepts. They're playing over-under even concept where they're penetrating. So they did a great job of isolating some of these linemen in space against skill players and made them look stupid. They were just hammering the corners and the edges on Jacksonville, and it seemed to work out. So Kansas City got another big, big win. They are on track right now to have home field. I don't really think that means anything in Kansas City anymore because uh, – Every time they get a home playoff game, they fucking choke. And I've seen it the last couple of years, and I don't know if it's going to happen this year again, but it may. Um, We'll see what happens there. Uh, But, again, that was a great game. Jacksonville will get right, but Kansas City right now is the class of the AFC, unfortunately. Um, All right, so Seattle hosted the Rams. Now, this turned out to be a really good football game. Uh, It came down to the end of the contest. Uh, McVay threw his punt team out there, and then – you know, Seattle took a timeout, and he was like, okay, fuck this. I'm not going to punt. Walked back out there, and with his six six quarterback, gained a yard. Uh, did the exact opposite of Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett decided to punt, lost. The Rams decided to go for it, won. Uh, I like that the NFL has is, is stopped being scared of fourth down now. Uh, fourth and one is a very attainable uh, down and distance. I think that most NFL teams should be able to get that. Yeah, sometimes you're going to get stopped if you have stupid-ass play calling. But most of the time, you should be able to sneak and get a yard. Um, so I love that more guys are going for it. The Rams, they're a little leaky on defense because their secondary is banged up. Tlaib's out. Uh, Marcus Peters is a guy that's always going to go for the pick first, so he's going to give up some stuff. Uh I'm not a huge fan of their linebacker play, but I'm not saying they're terrible. They're middle of the road. Their defensive line's elite, but they're all pass rushers. It's like the the defensive line for the Broncos. You know, yeah, that's great. We can all rush the passer, but when we need to slow down and read a key and play the run game, we're getting gashed because everybody's so concerned with rushing the passer. So when you've got guys like Michael Brockers and Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald and you've got Quinn from the Dolphins, who's now your pass rusher, they got dudes for days. I think losing Morgan Fox, the CSU Pueblo lineman at the beginning of the year, hurts. He's one of their most versatile players, outside linebacker, defensive end, three technique. He's not there. It hurts on their rotation a little bit. He was also a great run player. Um, sometimes you just need a really good run player to 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 help you know stop the bleeding there and honestly, which one of those guys is, wants to do that? Everybody wants to get sacks and rush the passer and be known as that guy, not the run stuffer, first and second down player, even though that guy's so important now. So the Rams come into Denver this Sunday. I don't know what's going to happen there. We'll preview that later in the week. Um, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. I still haven't gotten over the, the jet slapping around. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about the Rams later in the week, but they've got some problems that they need to figure out, even though they are 5-0 and moving forward and a really, really good football team. Seattle also is getting better and better. Um, losing Earl Thomas opened up the door for Tedrick Thompson. I thought he played really well in ex-buff. Uh, I think that the Seattle Seahawks are always going to have a chance to win ball games because they have Russell Wilson. And if Carson can figure out a way to be a consistent 100-yard rusher and bring that physicality back to the backfield, that's what they're looking for. The offensive line's improving, so we'll see what happens in Seattle. But Russell Wilson... Man, he's got them He's got them competitive every week. Now they just have to figure out a way to win some games. All right, so Vikings at Philly. Um, I picked Philadelphia to win this ballgame. I couldn't believe that the Vikings walked in the way they did and just bitch-slapped Philadelphia around. Philadelphia's got some, some real 
I don't know, a wake-up call maybe. I think that they enjoyed the the Super Bowl a little too much, and that's okay. Everybody does. The Broncos did the year before as well, so or two years before. Um, the only team that doesn't enjoy Super Bowls is New England. That's why they're always there. Um, Philadelphia, Wentz is a little rusty, you can tell. Ajay tore his ACL. You know, we're going to talk about the whole Le'Veon Bell thing here in a second. They need to stop being conservative on offense and run the football. Now, losing J.H.I. doesn't help. Carson Wentz last year was elite because they could run the ball down people's throats. They have their both their tackles back. The offensive line is good. Brooks at guard is awesome. Uh, Kelsey at center is one of the best in the business. They got dudes. They got great tight end play. I think they need to step back and reevaluate what they're doing and how they're doing it if they want to continue to have success. Minnesota, on the other hand, Kirk Cousins, I was totally wrong about him. For the last year, I've been like, oh, I don't know if he's that guy, blah, 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 blah. And he is. 11 touchdowns, only a couple of picks. Uh, he's, I think he's the first quarterback in NFL history to have 30-plus completions in the first four weeks of the se- in first four games of the season. Uh, I don't know what his completion count was at Philly, but I'd imagine it was high. He's a very accurate thrower. He's done a great job stabilizing that position in Minnesota. Looks like they made the right choice in going after Kirk Cousins and not riding with Case Keenum. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, he's got them right. Uh, that defense, when they're on, they are lethal. They are really hard to beat, so you better figure out a way to game plan them. You know, the week before, the Rams went out and embarrassed the Vikings on national TV on Thursday Night Football. And a week later, the Vikings walked into Philadelphia, a team that you know everybody thought would roll Minnesota, and they ended up beating the hell out of the Eagles in, in the link. So that, that's the nature of the NFL, man. When you think you got things figured out, you don't. It, NFL means not for long. So that means your winning streak's not for long. Your losing streak's not for long. The way you feel is not for long. So it's just a matter of, you know, how you see things and how you approach each situation. You know, it's it's bad this week in Philadelphia. They win next week, and now all things are are returned to normal, and, and they're rolling. So we'll see what happens there. But Minnesota is pretty real. Uh, I always like to see fat guys score touchdowns. The Joseph return was pretty awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Vikings and Philadelphia, I mean, one of those teams might not get into the playoffs at this point, although the NFC East is dog shit this year, so we'll see. Uh, Oakland and the Chargers. I'm only going to talk about this game because of one thing. Uh, The Raiders were on the one-yard line again and decided to throw, and Carr threw a pick, and they have Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. So Gruden and Carroll must have exchanged notes because that's stupid. Uh, The Raiders played a home game in L.A., uh, against the Carson City Chargers. It was black and silver all the way through the stadium. Uh, it's got to suck if you're a Charger fan or if you're a Charger player, never having a home field advantage and never having a home game. It's going to be that way when they go to the other building as well. L.A.'s a ram town. The Chargers might as well move back to Diego. Um, I only bring up this this game because of that. Phillip Rivers you know, got the win, ended up you know, really blowing out Oakland. Oakland is dog shit. You're, you've got one win for ten million bucks, but you're paying him ten million bucks a year, so you got one win, one win for ten million. That's pretty good. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, and you don't run it on on the goal line. Could have sworn you you had to have watched that tape a thousand times. I heard Gruden criticize that call on ESPN. God knows how many times the the touchdown that wasn't from Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl, and now he has the opportunity to do the same thing. I know it's not the Super Bowl, but shit, bro, just turn around and hand it to Lynch. So, do you want your quarterback to be the guy too? You don't want Marshawn to get the shine. Pretty dumb. Uh, and you deserve to throw a pick, and you deserve to look like Captain Asshole when you do something like that. So. Really fucking stupid. Um, all right, and then the Monday night game last night before we get into the Broncos here. Uh, you know, the wearband warrior of the weekend unequivocally goes to Drew Brees. And Drew Brees becomes the all-time uh, passing yardage leader last night, breaking uh, Peyton Manning's record. Um, Drew is a consummate pro. You know, he overcame so much adversity in his career. And he broke that record last night looking real sharp, looking real, real good as a leader out there for New Orleans. New Orleans beat the goddamn bricks off of Washington on Indigenous People's Day or Columbus Day. So I find that pretty funny that the Redskins, a team that refuses to change their super racist shitty name, um, just got piped on Indigenous People's Day or Columbus Day or whatever fucking day you want to call it. Um 
I, I, I find that hilarious, honestly. That's karma right there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, change your name. Um, it could easily be called the Washington Skins or the Washington Reds, and no one would care. Um, so, uh, you know, Drew Brees showed me something last night, something he's shown me every weekend pretty much for the last, like, 15 years. Unbelievably good pro. And it, it, it got me thinking, is he the best free agent signing ever? Is Drew Brees the number one free agent signing in NFL history? And I don't know which order these go in, but I want you to just think about this as you listen to McChesney Unchained here on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Remember, you follow us the show, follow the show at BSN Unchained on Twitter, and uh, you know always try and listen and give us a rating. Remember, you can download the show on iTunes or whatever pod- podcast platform you have, and always give us a rate. And, uh, and subscribe and download the show. So who are the top five free agents in, in NFL history? Breeze, Peyton Manning, obviously. Reggie White, obviously. Neil Smith, DeMarcus Ware, Tlaib. I mean, who else? There's guys getting signed left and right. Will and Dominican Sue turn into one of those free agent signings that, you know, was incredible. Um, it, that's a tough question because I don't think there's a lot of guys that really fit it. Yeah, there's a ton of guys that have been side-free agent, but how many of them really, really, really made that much of a massive difference to bring a Super Bowl title or change an entire culture of a franchise? Breeze changed the entire culture of the New Orleans Saints. Peyton Manning changed the entire culture of the Denver Broncos when he walked in. DeMarcus Ware solidified the defense. So did Neil Smith. Reggie White started all this shit. He started this free agent shit. And that's the motherfucking thanks he gets? I mean, he should be number one on this one. So Reggie White, the Minister of Defense, i got to throw him right up there. So just think about that, man. And if you want to give us a little bit of feedback, go to BSN Unchained on Twitter and tell us, who, who's your top free agent pick of all time? Breeze has got to be on that list. P- PFM, DeMarcus Ware, Neil Smith, the great Reggie White. Uh, God rest his soul. So, you know, that that's, that's a lot of discussion, you know, for – another time but it's something i want everybody to think about those are some of the ones off the top of my head so drew breeze is our wearband warrior of the weekend remember go to wearbands.com and check out the incredible product that is uh, we sell wearbands here at uh, six zero for all lateral athletes um, it's an incredible training system it's a belt and you know resistance bands that go on your feet and these little booties you put put them in your shoes it's almost like you don't have it on. It forces dorsiflexion of your toe. It forces you to stand tall and erect through your core with good posture. And it really, it really cycles your legs quickly. The force output through the ground and off is incredible. Uh, my, ba- my man Dan Schreiber has an unbelievable product. Check it out, wearbands.com. Remember, go on and type in 6020, 6020 for a 20% discount on all Wearbrands products. And we do sell them here at 6-0 Strength as well, so come by and check them out. So Drew Brees is our wearband warrior of the weekend. Uh, and honestly, I don't know how you could give it to anybody else at this point. Maybe LaVisca Chanel if you wanted to give a college award. All right, so, oh boy, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but fuck it. Let's do it. Um, the Broncos. Okay. Number one. I've been real hard on Garrett Bowles on this show, so i got to make sure that everybody that didn't play well knows. Uh, McGovern didn't play well. He knows it. Um, You know, Leonard Williams. We talked about Leonard Williams last week and how much of an animal he is, and bro, he was. 92 came to play on Sunday. Uh, The week before, the Jets went to Jacksonville and got absolutely handled by by the Jaguars. So... It's not as if they didn't have a shitty outing the week before, too. So the Broncos had a terrible outing the other day. McGovern didn't play well. Uh, let's see. Offensively, the offensive line really struggled from pressure and, and, and uh, you know, sack and, and TFL perspective. They, they weren't very good. The longer the game went on, the worse they got. I thought Case Keenum was really, really sporadic, and I know he threw for a lot of yards, but he didn't seem to have great control of the offense and looked a little rattled and confused at times. Um, the calls up front, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear what was going on, why guys were going the wrong way, why we're letting free rushers up the field. Like, I can take getting beat, 
on technique because that's fixable. But if we're not communicating correctly or there's a, a miscommunication, one guy's going the other way, one guy's going one way, one guy's going the other on protection calls, we're fucked. And that seemed to be happening a lot on Sunday. Um, we've got to get better up front, and I, I think we will. My my hope is that they don't bench the wrong guys. Like I could see them going out and benching guys they're trying to develop and and grow with instead of benching guys who have been shitty forever. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I thought Billy Turner played well at right tackle. He should probably keep him there. Although when Valdir comes back, he's going to get that job. So so we'll see what happens there. Um, I, is Case Keenum the guy here? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if Case is the guy or not. I, I'm i of the mindset that if they are going to be 7-9, and 8-8, eight and 6-10, eight, and 9-7, and seven, what is the point of being that close to the playoffs and just, and, and just scratching the surface of greatness? I mean, at what point do the Broncos just tank and start looking at the fastest way to get a franchise quarterback? And look – they they could have gotten Sam Donald, and to be honest with you, I'm uh, I'd like to know why they didn't make that move. I like Chubb as a player. He's either going to turn into Terrell Suggs or Vernon Goldston, one of the two. Uh, he really struggled the other day in open field. He was missing tackles like like it was his job to miss the tackles. Um, I'm I'm questioning why in the Sam hell, holy fuck, did we not try and get one of these quarterbacks? I like Case Keenum, but he's a backup. He's a backup. He can't be a starter, and everyone knows it. Everyone. I'm telling you, man. It, it, look, we can we can the the coaches can can shovel off blame on the players all they want. That's what they're doing. Players play, coaches coach. They're awful on the road. They have one win in the VJ era. They are constantly getting beat by ten plus points on the road. That's coaching. If you have a team that looks that good on Monday night against the class of the AFC and you got them up to play there and you couldn't get them up to play on Sunday, in the same week we saw a completely different team. It's like they're bipolar. Hey, we're having a great day. Fuck it, I hate everyone. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? Oh, my God. It's like they're bipolar, and I know all about that. So I just I don't understand how you can look that good on Monday night and come you know within – seconds of beating the best team in the AFC and then go out to New York and look that terrible and unprepared, that is coaching. That is not players. Players don't build the 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 scheme and the game plan. The coaches do. And now this week is going to be shovel off blame on the players, make the players the scapegoat, and next week after they get their asses kicked by the Rams, if that does happen, although they could come out and play their asses off, one never knows. Next week when they go out and play the Rams, if the Rams come out and do what they do, that could get really ugly. Is that still on the coaches? Or at some point, is, the, is, is that still on the players? Or at some point, the coach going to be accountable? And, yeah, Elway is, 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 has his, his part of this. He's going to have to take his bite of the shit sandwich too. But I don't really think that he's as much to blame unless he waits. If he waits, he's to blame. If they sit around and they string out this VJ thing and they lose on Sunday and then, you know, they, they've got Kansas City again down the road and they've got Arizona, Houston, Kansas City, and then a bye. If they are – if they have one more win after – I mean, if they're three and six or whatever going into the three and four, going into the bye, whatever that is, three and five, I, I don't know how you can keep VJ around. And I like Vance. I played for him at CU. I think VJ's a hell of a position coach. I don't know about a, a coordinator or a, a head coach. I don't think he's very good there so far. I think he was an, an average coordinator with Miami. He was a 26th ranked defense, so that's below average. But then he got a head coaching job off of it as a leader of men. That's what they said about him. So if VJ's really a leader of men, go lead your men. If Case Keenum is really a guy who's just been waiting for opportunity, brother, it's right in front of you. Take it. Let's go. The Broncos looked un uninspired offensively and I don't know what happened because they started fast again they went down and scored it was 14-10 at one point and I thought they screwed up their red zone opportunity so it could have been 14-14 and then all of a sudden it's 21-10 and then all of a sudden it's the game's over it's 31-10 to and we're fucked so 
I don't know what happened there offensively. I don't know why they start so hot in this teeter and burnout other than pressure and penalties. Um, we got to get better up front, and I think they will. And then, you know, if guys are going to get benched and guys are going to get their jobs taken away for God knows how long, how are you going to handle that as a pro? Are you going to put your nose to the grindstone and get better, or are you going to, you know, pout and whine and sulk and be a bitch? And I don't see that happening from anybody on that football team. Um, I think that they'll get better offensively and move forward. I don't know if Case is the guy or not. Um, I don't have the answer to that question. Swag Kelly is not the answer. Uh, He's just not. He's a developmental project. The answer was go draft one of these quarterbacks that were all taken in the top ten. When you're sitting there at number five, move the fuck up and draft one of them. That's the answer. So getting the 15th pick this year isn't going to get us a franchise quarterback. It's not. It's not going to put you up there to go get Drew Locke. It's not going to put you up there to go get uh, Henson, the, the, the kid from Oregon. It's not going to put you up there to go get whoever the fuck, whoever is that guy, because it's not like last year's class. I don't even – those are the only two off the top of my head that I could tell you. And DeAndre, DeAndre Francois, who I just like as a player who's not going to be a first-rounder. His team's terrible. I don't know who else you're going to throw out there for the Broncos to pick in the first round. The Broncos just watched the 1983 draft class flash in front of their eyes, and a guy who went in the 1983 draft class didn't move up to take quarterback. So they must not have thought very highly of him. Consequently, the guy they were going to move up to take just shredded the fuck out of us on national TV. So we've got to fix that, man. Have to fix it. Um, Okay, so the run defense was atrocious. Isaiah Crowell went and broke a, a Jet record. Uh, Thomas Jones, the guy I played with back in the day for the Jets, a great teammate of mine, had 210 yards rushing uh, in 2010. Crowell went for 216. Consequently, the other back went for 100 as well. So they went 300 yards rushing plus on us, plus 300 yards passing, okay, or, or huge chunk passes and big touchdown play actions down the field to Robbie Anderson from uh, Sam Darnold. Now, I understand that Derek Wolf is tired of all the bullshit. So are we, Derek. We're all tired of the bullshit, too. Yeah, there's something deeper going on here. This is what's going on. Um, everyone thinks they're playing hard on defense, and they're not. The Broncos play hard when the balls ran at them. The backside pursuit is god-awful atrocious. There are guys jogging, watching the play down the field. On the Isaiah Crowell touchdown run, if Von Miller puts his... Puts his uh, Cleats in the grass and runs as hard as he can at a proper angle, he'll catch him. I promise you. If Pac-Man Jones takes himself at a proper angle and runs full speed, he'd catch him. Instead of just jogging down the field and letting the wide receiver bitch slap you in the side of your, your shoulder pad and drop you on the ground and then you leave for the rest of the game? I mean, it, it, the lack of physicality I saw from the Bronco defense on Sunday was so alarming to me, I don't even know what to say. Other than, I was disgusted disgusted Domitopeco has been around for so long you can't let that shit happen you're a vet piped for 300 yards rushing I mean the 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 hit that Winters put on Brandon Marshall is exactly what this is the the left guard they did slide protection left he crushed Brandon Marshall crushed his ass setting the tone physical they were in the they were in the V of the neck of all the defensive linemen they were seaming us and moving us I mean, the top six this week, presented by BSNDenver.com, it's going to be up tomorrow because the the film's still not loaded here on Tuesday. Um, It's going to be six straight examples of how not to play the run. And the Broncos, the thing that killed me the most is, is again, Joe Woods. If VJ's not going to fire Joe Woods and take over the play calling as a defensive coordinator, what the fuck is VJ here for? We need two defensive coordinators? Uh, Joe Woods has obviously shown that he's not the guy for this job. I know the players like him and they want to have his back, but he's not the right guy. Who cares if the players like him? It's not a friend. It's not friend ball. It's football. I need everybody to fear the defensive coordinator to play hard, not jog and loaf and then act like you're playing hard. It, it doesn't do any good if everyone just talks about how good they were in the past before Joe got here. Oh, they used to be a Super Bowl defense. We'll be fine. No, they're not a Super Bowl defense. They're not going to be fine. They look like shit. They're getting the shit kicked out of them routinely. It needs to be fixed or it is over. 
I'm telling you, you can't put 300-yard gashes on tape like that, especially with the fucking Rams coming into town. They've got an unbelievably good run offense with Todd Gurley, the NFL MVP on offense. And they have one of the best play-action passers in football in, in, in golf, who against Minnesota had 300 yards plus on play-action passes. Seattle, he had like 200 yards plus on play-action passes. They are a good football team, and they're going to watch this and go, God, we can just hammer the hell out of these people. And even if we don't, they're going to be so concerned with stopping the run that they're going to overplay it, and we're going to have huge play-action shots down the field. So I don't see how the Broncos can go out, and they can talk about good practice days and all this other bullshit all the time and how everybody was flying around and they were juiced up and ready for the game and then go out and do that. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. At the same time, I'm kind of proud because I did play for the Jets for three years, too. So I'm proud of my Jets. I'm not going to lie. I'm proud of my boys. They look good, but they're not a playoff team. The Broncos are a playoff roster if they can find a playoff coach, and they don't have one. Oh, yeah, they do. Gary Kubiak's in the box. I know Gary doesn't want to coach anymore, but why Why not? I mean, if I'm John Elway, i got to ask the question, Gary, can, we, can you come back and help us, please? Because Vance isn't the guy. And I love Vance, but he's not the guy. We are simply treading water right now. It is a matter of time before they fire him. It is a matter of time before this deck is reshuffled. So there's some questions that have to be asked. Number one, how long does VJ have? Number two, does he fire any of the coordinators beforehand? Does Joe Woods go before VJ does? How is next week when VJ takes over the defensive coordinating? I thought it would definitely be this week. Because now his job's on the line, really. Like, they're not just talking about him getting fired. People are clamoring for him to get fired. So if that's what it's going to be, and they're going to clamor for VJ to lose his job, he needs to get rid of Joe Woods, take over the defensive coordinating responsibilities, and take total control of his opportunity as a head coach in the NFL. If he doesn't, he's gone. Okay, the third thing, how long does Keenum get? until the Broncos scrap the season and want to see if Swag Kelly can play. The fourth thing, is Von Miller still the commodity that we thought he was, or is it time to see if we can get what we can get from 58 and move forward? Okay, and I'll, I'll wrap the fifth thing into this. How many pass rushers do you really need? I'm not sitting here talking shit. I, I love the Chubb pick when they made it. I'm saying this. The same thing I said about the Rams earlier. If you don't have some run-first defensive players up front, you're going to get killed like this. I thought Derek Wolf was a run-first defensive player. He's not. I thought Pecco was a run-first defensive player. He wasn't on Sunday, and neither one of them were. I thought Gadam Gostas was a run-fit or run-first defensive player. He had one good play. Other than that, he was totally he disappeared all week. I'll tell you this, though. He definitely put it on Instagram that he made one good play. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's pumped about that um, as they got their ass kicked and gave up 300-yard rushing. Um, you you can't have nine guys trying to rush the passer. You've got to have guys that are there to play the run and eat gaps and let the linebackers flow and make plays. Right now, we've got pass rushers everywhere, and they're so intent on getting to the quarterback, they're forgetting that there's two parts to football. It's not just about rushing the fucking passer. So this has to be fixed. And I'm of the mindset that, I think it's it, – I hate to say this, but if they go out and get shit stomped by the Rams or even lose and they're sitting at 2-4, and four, you know, they got Arizona and Houston. Arizona should be a win, but they're getting better, and Rosen is going to want to just beat the shit out of Denver in Arizona because they pass on him. And then you got Houston. Houston's playing a lot better. Houston's won two in a row, and they're going to be coming off three in a row, I'd imagine, after this weekend. So neither one of those games are gimmies. And then you have Kansas City again in Kansas City before the bye week, if I remember correctly. So if that's the schedule you're looking at, at what point do they just admit the fact that this is a rebuild and not a reload? When Vance got here, they said reload. It's a rebuild. At what point do the Broncos sit back and say, we need to rebuild? And that means that everybody on this team that's making – a, a ton of money on a, and, and only has a year or two left on his contract, they're either cut, especially if the dead money's there, or especially if their dead money's not a lot. Either you're getting cut or moved, and we're going to start fresh and start young and try and get a bunch of draft picks and, and start this process over with a true young 
non-expensive franchise quarterback that you can build around. You can go build the rest of your football team around a franchise quarterback, and then when it comes time to pay him, he will have earned that money. Instead of all these cast-offs, instead of seventh-rounders and cast-offs, let's go find a guy that can be here for 10, 12 years, not just the next guy. They can't do that anymore in Denver, man. There's no more Peyton Mannings just fucking floating around out there. Case Keenum's not Peyton. None of the free agents next year are Peyton. No one, you're not going to go just find Drew Brees. That just happened. New Orleans got lucky. You're not going to go find Peyton Manning. That happened. He got lucky. They're not going to release fucking Tom Brady in New England. And then, oh, the Broncos are going to go get him. Come on. Come on. The Broncos got to get better, man. That was an absolute shit show. They cannot put that on national TV. And then turn around and be players playing, coaches coach. No, 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 no. This is a league where everybody's good and everyone has talent. The coaches have to put the players in position to be successful. And on defense, if you don't stem your fronts defensively ever, if you never change from over under ever, if you're if you're an odd and you can't stop them seeming you to the second level ever, if you don't have anybody that is a true run player first instead of everyone trying to pass rush that's on coaches if your secondary is constantly getting torched if Roby's looking in the backfield and getting fucking burned left and right if Yadam doesn't know the coverage if you're missing tackles left and right it's on the coaching because I don't ever hear we had a terrible week of practice we looked like shit and this is why we played terrible all I ever hear is we had a great week of practice and everything looks good and that's great that's essentially saying that the coaches are doing their job but the players aren't so now the player's coach is essentially saying that all the players are the reason they are losing. I'm pretty sure that the majority, well, the majority, some of those guys have rings. They were the reason we were winning. There are really good Hall of Fame players on this, on this roster, in my opinion. The coach is not right. I'm not saying VJ can't coach. I'm saying he's not the right guy for this team. The Broncos need an offensive-minded, young, spry head coach. Not named Josh McDaniels because he just wasn't ready for the opportunity mentally. But McVeigh was, and Matt Nagy looks like he's ready. And I don't know where you go find the next young, hot offensive mind, but damn it, find it. That's your fucking job. Find it. Do it. Stop hiring defensive-minded head coaches in an offensive-geared league. I don't understand it, and I never will. And I like the VJ hiring when they made it. I'm sitting here saying I'm wrong. He's not the right guy for the job, and everyone's going to see that on Sunday. Now, hopefully, and we'll end on this, hopefully the Broncos can muster up some, some, uh, some pride and intestinal fortitude to go out and beat the Rams on Sunday. And then all this goes to bed, and we can talk about the team they could be. But I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. It'll be very interesting to see, to say the least. Remember, the BSN... Uh, Denver Podcast Network uh, has an, a variety of shows on it. Make sure you go on there and check it out. Uh, BSNDenver.com hosts a ton of articles and the paywalls on there. You're going to have to sign up, but you get a $29.99 year subscription if you go on and sign up through Six Zero and and type in the promo code Six Zero on BSNDenver.com, and that will allow you to see the top six. And the top six this week, we're going to focus on what happened to the run defense uh, against the Jets. So we're going to do that uh, either today, but it, it'll be up sometime tomorrow. We'll be reposting it on social media and whatnot, but check it out as well. I'm Matt McChesney. This is McChesney Unchained coming to you from the 6-0 Studios at 6-0 Strength and Fitness. Check out the website at 6-0Strength.com. Huge thanks to NeuroXPF. Go on and check out NeuroXPF.com and the great products and come down and get it here at the storefront at 6-0. And then also check out Wearbands. The Wearbands Warrior of the Week was Drew Brees. Um, Wearbands.com and check out that amazing product and a way to help develop young athletes, all lateral athletes. All right, uh, that's a wrap. Uh, we will bring you some more information later in the week, as well as great interviews from Clayton Adams, Brady Quinn, Gary Barnett, Kyle Turley, and Jake Plummer on the next couple of episodes coming up. This is McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Uh, we are out. Go Buffs. Go Broncos.